We turn to Psalm 139. We'll read the entire psalm. We take as our text the last two verses of the chapter. We hear the inspired word of God. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. And then here follow the words of our text. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, And know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, this psalm speaks of God's knowledge and God's power. God is all-knowing. God is able to be everywhere present. And from that truth that God is everywhere present, that he's all-knowing, flows two things. First of all, the poet, the psalmist says, the wicked surely will be overthrown. No one 
can fool God, every wicked individual will be overthrown. And secondly, this is the assurance of the psalmist's salvation. Now the last verses of the psalm seem difficult to reconcile with the whole of the psalm. Verse 1 stated, Lord, thou hast searched me. Why then, at the conclusion of the psalm, ask, search me, O God, and know my heart? We would say the first, O Lord, thou hast searched me, is the basis for the request that comes at the end. The poet, the psalmist, desires that God search him so that he can know himself. That God search him so that he can be cured of his sins and the problems that are evident in his life. The greatest benefit is for us to know our weakness. To know our weakness not only, but to know our strengths. The psalmist looks to God's penetrating insight and says, Lord, expose my heart. Reveal to me my own weaknesses in order that I can better extol and magnify thy name in my life. Now, beloved, this is a prayer of tremendous courage. It's one of those petitions that God just might answer. Sometimes we, we have to realize, what are we praying for? We need to be sure that we really want what it is that we're asking for. And we need to understand then the implications here of this prayer. We would not quickly go on our own to a doctor, a counselor, a psychiatrist perhaps, for a thorough examination. They would ask us all kinds of searching questions to try to get at matters that pertain perhaps to the heart of our problem. Questions about our sins, questions about our past, questions about relationships, questions perhaps about abuse, about our childhood, all kinds of questions that would perhaps expose things that we would, we would rather hide. How much more courage to stand before the living God and to make this request. To have God look into every aspect of my being. Expose all my relationships, all my interactions with others. Expose all my thoughts, all the things that come off my lips, my words. No natural man would want this. This is a tremendous prayer that is only worked by God's Spirit in the hearts of His children. And this is the prayer that we request of God at the occasion of self-examination of ourselves. As we prepare ourselves to come to the Lord's table, it's not enough that we examine ourselves. We're going to cover for ourselves. We're going to make up excuses. What we need is Jehovah God with His penetrating knowledge and insight to expose our sin, to drive us in the way of repentance and true sorrow. And so we look at this prayer under the theme, the prayer for divine searching. Noting first the search that's requested here. Secondly, the divine searcher. And finally, the necessary outcome. The psalmist here requests an examination into the very depths of his being. Search my heart. Now the word that's used here is very expressive. 
the Dutch translated this with their word, door ground. And the idea is to get to the bottom of, to see through things. And the idea of the word has to do with boring into. It's a word that comes from mining. Boring into, digging deeply into something so that you can get into the interior of the earth in order to find out if there's anything of value there. So that the poet here is petitioning a search that will dig into the inmost heart, that will bring to the surface everything that resides there. Literally, dig deep into my heart, bore into my being in order to know me. Expose everything. Leave nothing uncovered. Expose every evil thought, every wicked way. Get to the very bottom of my being so that everything is exposed and there's nothing hidden. Now the heart is the center of man's ethical nature. The Bible tells us that out of the heart flow all of the issues of life. The heart is the deepest spiritual center in man. And as the heart is, so is the man. Now as such, the heart then is the source and fountain of all of our desires, our will, our affections, our longings, our thoughts. It's that from which the whole of our life flows. The psalmist says, dig into my heart, into the very center of my spiritual being, and bring to the surface everything in order that it might come to my consciousness. Cause me to understand my heart and to understand my thoughts, my motivations. Cause all of that to be dug out and to come up. Now our hearts have depths that we can't even begin to fathom. The world even tells us there's much more to a man than his consciousness. A man needs to be subjected sometimes, a woman to severe, serious psychiatric evaluation in order to really reveal the depths of the struggles and the difficulties and the reasons for those struggles of an individual. And this is a prayer, a prayer that says, may the very depths of my heart be plumbed in order that I can know what is the nature of my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me The thoughts are produced. They flow out of the heart. And David says, test those thoughts, the fruit of the heart, in order that we might get at the very heart of the matter. Now why would we desire this if we're already cleansed by Jesus Christ? We've already been cleansed. We confess that objectively Jesus Christ laid his life down in our place, that he made atonement for our sins. Why then would we make a request like this? Beloved, we need the conscious experience of forgiveness. And the experience of forgiveness is going to come only in the way of repentance. And repentance is only going to come in the way of my sins being exposed. So I know my sin and then am able to turn from it. The psalmist cries out this prayer then as a child of God. Examine me completely. Expose my heart and all of its corruption. Test my thoughts. See 
If I am walking in a way that's selfish, a way that's sinful, a way that's evil, or if I'm walking in accordance with thy will. Reveal to my consciousness what is found out so that I can confess all my sin and so that I can repent and seek the forgiveness that is necessary. I want to know. I want to know the weakness of my flesh. I want to know my sins so that I don't continue unrepentantly in them, but so that I can fight against them, so that I can turn away from them, and so that I can walk the way of true repentance and know the conscious wonder of my forgiveness. The child of God prays this prayer because his passion and his desire is to do the will of his heavenly Father. God has created us to show forth his glory, and God works in us that spiritual desire to glorify him and to honor him in everything that we do. I desire to walk in obedience and thankfulness unto him. I want to keep the Lord's day holy and therefore expose areas of my life where I'm failing to do so. I want to watch my tongue and my language and therefore I want those things exposed in my life. This is the child of God who loves the Lord who desires out of gratitude and thankfulness to live according to not just some, but all the commandments of Jehovah God. There are times when I become so blinded by the experiences of my life, by the circumstances of the world around me, that I lose objectivity. And I think I'm doing something that's right, when really it's not. And I realize the deception of my own sinful nature and therefore I cry out to Jehovah God, the searcher of my heart. I need to be examined so that I can be led down that path of salvation and obedience. That's the prayer. That's the desire here of the child of God. I want to glorify God to the fullest. I realize there's areas of my life in which I'm not doing that. And therefore, Lord, expose those areas. Bring them to my consciousness so that more diligently and faithfully I can pursue thy will and thy will alone. The Holy Spirit works this bold request in the heart of his child. We ask ourselves, do I really want to pray this prayer? Do I really want my sin exposed? Do I really want my heart my mind, my thoughts to be bored out to the point that all of it is exposed before my consciousness? Do I really want to see the depths of my heart and know how selfish, how sinful, how cruel I am? Do I really want God to look into my heart and see all of that? Or am I busy trying to keep God out of it? Isn't that, beloved, tragically more often, our experience, we try to keep areas of our life off limits from God. We don't want Him to be engaged in certain activities because we know they're not right. We know what He would say. Do you know what will happen in response to this prayer? As the child of God makes this his or her prayer, God will examine you and God will examine me. And he will tell us what he finds. And we can know a bit of what he's going to find in us. I know what he's going to find in me. 
He's going to find selfishness. He's going to find filthiness. He's going to find a sinner. A worldly-minded man. One who is pleasure-mad. One who is selfish and pursuing the things of himself and his own desires. One who is a lover of lust and one who covets the things of this world. One who's prone to use the Lord's Day for himself, his own glory. We can think that we're sweet, we're lovely, unspotted saints. We pray this prayer in anticipation of the reality God is going to hear it. And God will expose me as to what I am by nature. Filthy, immoral, a beast as a pig who loves to roll in the mud and the filth of his or her sins. Pray this prayer, beloved, and you'll be surprised. You'll be astounded, horrified even, at the results. God's children pray this prayer. And as they pray this prayer regularly, they know the sorrow of heart. They know the humility that it results in. As they pray this prayer, increasingly they realize the problem is not with everybody around me. The problem is with me. And we see that beam exposed to a greater measure. The child of God desires to know the worst of himself. He honestly wants to know, where are my weaknesses? So that I can confess them, so that I can flee from them. And so that I can cling to Christ alone and the cross as my only hope and my only joy. There are some who've never thought to pray this prayer, who don't want to pray this prayer, or refuse to, who don't want God to search their hearts. They don't want the depths of their nature exposed before their consciousness. They don't want to confess their sins before God. It struck me in the past that I've heard people say, I would never want to live close to church. I would never want to live close to the pastor because then church people are always going to be coming past my place. The minister is always going to be keeping an eye on me and I sure would not want that. I remember being shocked. All my life I've lived close to church. Why would that even be a concern? But how much more the living God, the living God of heaven and earth. What's a pastor compared to Jehovah God? What's another church member concerned compared to the living God watching, penetrating, analyzing? But too often, tragically, don't we live in such a way that we don't want God to search us. We don't want God looking in our garage. We don't want God looking under our bed. We don't want God looking in the closet. We don't want God looking in those places where we're hiding things that We hope our parents, our spouse, aren't going to find. We act like God doesn't know. We act like God wouldn't even be able to find it. What foolishness, beloved. Who can hide before the living God? And that's the psalmist's confession here. This God who is everywhere present. I think that I can flee His presence that I can go out in the ocean and he won't find me? Even in hell he's present, says the psalmist. You want to hide parts of your life from God? Christ then has sharp words for you and for me. Don't come to the Lord's table then. 
You have no place at the table of the Lord. It takes self-denial to pray this prayer. A self-denial worked by the Spirit. A willingness to submit to the presence of the Almighty God, the Holy and the Righteous One. A desire to be in harmony with His being. A desire to live unto Him. And beloved, the Holy Spirit works this wonder in the hearts of His children. He puts this prayer on the lips of His people in order that they might know Christ. That they might know the wonder of salvation all the more fully. And that they might lean on Him and trust in Him alone for their salvation. Who is the divine searcher here? It's the holy and righteous God. He's the one who conducts this search. David stood in the presence of Jehovah. And he experienced the awe, the majesty, the greatness of God. And as he meditated on God and God's greatness... We sense that here in the psalm. He was spellbound. This God who is so great, this God who was present when I was conceived, this God who was already ordering in the womb of my mother all of the very aspects of my being, this God who had my whole life planned out before I was even born, He stands in awe as he is given a glimpse of the glory and the greatness of God. And he sings of that in this psalm. A God who searches, a God who knows all men, a God who sees all things, hears everything that happens, knows everything that's taking place in the world about him. And from this testing, from this knowing, from this judging, the psalmist says, there's no escape. Wicked men think they can escape for a time. But God will pursue them. And ultimately, God will cast them into everlasting hell. There is no escape from this almighty Jehovah. Before a word even escapes our lips, God knows it. Nothing can take us from His presence. Anything that we do to try to hide, to try to cover ourselves, isn't successful. We can hide things from our parents, our spouses, our loved ones. Nothing is hidden from the living God. And the psalmist experienced that penetration of the searching eye of the judge of heaven and earth. Something more than awe filled his soul. There was a fear, but a godly fear. A fear that caused him to tremble before Jehovah, this great God. A fear of love He didn't want to flee this awesome being. That's the temptation of the wicked. Run! But that's not the response of the psalmist. As he stands before this awesome being in all of his majesty, all of his power, he wants to be closer. Isn't that amazing? That's the wonder of God's grace in our hearts. As his children... Meditate on and think upon the greatness of the glory of God. And as they think upon His righteousness, His holiness, they desire to be closer to Him. The presence of Jehovah to them is wonderful. It's sweet. It's precious. 
So while the psalmist stands before this holy one, he experiences a bond of friendship. He knows the love that this God has for him. And he knew himself to be in covenant friendship with this God. Jehovah, my God. David desired to agree with him in everything. He desired to be like him in all things. He desired to be as close to his side as he could get. He wanted to be as much as he could in harmony with the living God of heaven and earth. And so he had a profound longing that comes out here in this psalm to be with him, to be righteous as he's righteous, to be holy as he's holy, to live with him as in the light, as he dwells in the light, to taste and to see what's good, even as he loves what's good and what's right. David wants to be united to God. And to such a degree that anything that separates him from God, he wants exposed. Search me, O God. Know my heart. If there's something that's standing in the way of my relationship with thee, expose it. I want to be closer. And he gives himself completely over then to the search of the penetrating eye of the Almighty God in order that he might know himself, condemn himself, and be delivered from that way of sin, that way of evil. Search me, O my Jehovah. That is my covenant-keeping God. The God who has embraced me in love, who has taken me into fellowship and communion with himself. Search me, test me, O my Father. See if there be any wicked way in me so that I can stand with thee and condemn those wicked ways of sin. The psalmist longs to be delivered from anything that would stand in the way of his walk with God, so that he can shine forth to a greater degree, glorifying and honoring the one who is the object of his love. Beloved, that's the wonder work of God's grace in the hearts of His children. We know our union with Him. We delight in it. And we desire that anything that's interfering, anything that's standing in the way, be put away in order that I might walk more fully with Him. Do you sense the urgency, the passion of the psalmist here? I love Jehovah. I want to be like him in all things. I desire that my will be perfectly conformed with his will so that he receives all the glory in my life. And therefore, search me, know me. Beloved, by God's grace, this is your desire. This is my desire. And by God's grace, this is our desire as we pray this prayer for God's divine examination of our hearts in this coming week. We want God to expose anything that stands in the way of our walk with Him. Because our desire is to give Him not just some, but all the glory. And so the believer voluntarily places himself on trial before the standard of all righteousness, the law of God. And he cries out to the Holy One, take me, compare me 
in my nature, my heart, my thoughts, my desires, all my actions, my motives, my words, my life, with that holy law of love. And we know God's not satisfied with anything less than perfect obedience. God demands that we love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that we love the neighbor as ourselves. God is too holy to turn his back on any iniquity. He's too pure of eyes to allow that iniquity to be before him. And now the psalmist, knowing that, says to God, test me, try me, evaluate me, so that I can know myself more fully, and especially so that I can know myself as I am known by thee, and as I stand before thy sovereign, perfect will, the standard of thy law. Now, the child of God has already examined himself in light of God's law. He realizes, however, that his own trial, her own trial of himself or herself, is very imperfect. In the depth of my heart, your heart, there are other wicked ways, sometimes of which we're not even fully conscious. We implore, therefore, that the Most High provide more light. And that he provide a more thorough searching, a more clear, penetrating exposure of those hidden sins that lie within. This is a bold prayer, beloved. It's a prayer of confidence of faith in Jesus Christ. Except for Christ, this supplication would be impossible. Jehovah God is a consuming fire For the natural man to call upon God with this petition would be a prayer that God send fire from heaven to destroy him. And the psalmist speaks of that. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. But in Christ, this prayer is possible. It's in Christ that we don't run, we don't flee the presence of the holiness and the righteousness of God. It's in Christ that we're drawn to God that we desire to be closer. In Christ, we're confident. I will not come unto condemnation. My sins have been covered. He took upon Himself all those sins. He bore them unto the cross. And He did so perfectly as a perfect sacrifice in my stead. And he too cried to God. He cried to God in the darkness of desolation. Search me, O my God. Try me and know my thoughts and my heart. And see if there be in me any wicked way as I offer myself a sacrifice for the sins of my people. And God answered him. With the wonder of the resurrection, he raised him from the dead. That was the answer of God. To Jesus' sacrifice, there was no sinful way found in him. There was no selfishness. Perfectly, he had maintained the will of his heavenly Father. And he was justified before God. And in him, all those whom he represented were declared righteous. He was raised for our justification, exalted to the right hand of God, given the spirit of Almighty God, in order that he might pour it out in the hearts of his children 
that we might know there is therefore now no condemnation and that we might know the righteousness that is ours in Christ. And it's in that spirit and the work of that spirit in our hearts that we with the psalmist are given the confidence to pray, search me, O God. Draw me closer. Draw me in order that I might be more and more united to my blessed Savior and might live out of Him. Now, beloved, the necessary outcome is such that sin and evil will be discovered and will be exposed before our consciousness. God will answer this prayer, not in the way of a voice coming down from heaven, but He calls us through the preaching. He calls us through His Word, and He holds a mirror before us. And as we stand before the law, as we stand before the faithful preaching of His Word, as we stand before His Word, we see ourselves increasingly as God sees us. By nature, our sins and our weaknesses are exposed. Our Sabbath-breaking is exposed. We're guilty of buying, selling on the Lord's day. We don't keep the day holy as we ought. Our spiritual adultery, our physical adultery is exposed. Our stealing, our lying, all of the various sins. As we humbly stand before the law, that law exposes our motives. And we see ourselves in our sin and in our sinfulness. And God causes us then to be smitten, to be brokenhearted. Through the preaching, He reveals more and more my weakness, more and more my sin. And the result is that I fall before Him. I acknowledge my sins. I know that I cannot stand. And I repent. I confess that sin before Him. He may say to me, He may say to you, You're a fool. You seek and you hunger and you lust after the things of this world and all of its thrills. And then you pray this prayer. Repent of your worldly mindedness. He may say, I see how you treat your wife. I see how you treat your husband. I see how you interact with your children, with your parents, your relatives, your loved ones. The problem is not with them. The problem is with you. He may say, you're filthy. You put on a good outward show, but just look within. There's all kinds of filth there. Repent. Wash your detestable robes in the blood of Jesus Christ. Cry out for mercy and walk in holiness and in godliness. He may say, you are cruel. Look at how you interact with others. He may say, you say you love me, love your neighbor. You're not even loving your neighbor. How can you say you love me when you don't even love the one who's close to you, the one that you can see? You think evil. You practice evil, he may say. Repent. Turn from such evil. Flee to Christ who loved his brethren even unto death. Who loved you when you were an enemy. He may say you're trying to make idols of me. You're not faithfully worshiping me. You're not faithfully serving me. You're making idols. You're trying to embrace a gospel that is no gospel. You need to repent. And you need to look to me alone for your salvation and for your hope. He may say, beloved, much more than we thought that he would say. He may find much more than we 
thought that he would find. And he will shame us worse than any policeman could ever do by interrogating us. He will cause a greater exposure than any counselor or psychiatrist ever could do. And the result is that he drives us to our knees so that we see and know ourselves as we are of ourselves. Beloved, it will involve pain. It will involve sorrow to pray this prayer sincerely and to experience the effect. But the fruit will be sweet. You and I suffer the mortification of the old man. That old man is exposed more and it hurts for us to put off the old man, to do battle against him. But we thank God for exposing those sins. Beloved, it's better to be operated on by God than that God let us go in our sin. It's tragic when God allows someone to let go their own way. They become more and more hardened to sin. That sin isolates them increasingly, cuts them off from Christ, from His church, from His saints, and it sets them on the course that leads to hell. Better it is that they be operated on by God and God exposes that sin and brings it to confession. We understand this from nature and we understand it from the effect that a disease or a cancerous tumor can have on our body. To allow that to remain in our body is such that eventually it's going to have an impact and affect the whole of our body. So seriously Jesus took this in the Sermon on the Mount that he said, if your right eye or your left eye is leading you into sin, pluck it out. If it's your arm, cut it off. If it's something in your life, get rid of it. It's better to go into heaven maimed than to enter into hell with both your arms and both your eyes. God exposes areas of our life where there is sin. And God gives us the courage to turn away from it, to flee it, though it be painful. It's exposed. And God works in us sorrow. He works in us true repentance. The ways of the wicked are painful. The ways of the wicked are grievous. They seem for a time to be joyous. They may seem to be for a time good. They have their sweet thrill, but it's like a fang that's laden with poison, the poison of a deadly snake. And as it bites, that poison starts penetrating our body. And again, we become hardened. And that hardening shows itself in that we cut ourselves off from those who are going to expose our sin. We're not praying this prayer. We don't want to hear from anyone, anything that would be negative concerning our conduct and our walk. And increasingly, we cut ourselves off then from the church. We cut ourselves off from the saints. The Word of God, on the contrary, is sweeter than honey. And the Word of God is such that it works in us a sweetness, a thankfulness to be exposed. Though it's painful, as David himself experienced, what a joy to confess my sin. To know the wonder of forgiveness that's in Jesus Christ. To be corrected by Jehovah God. And to be on His side of the judgment. The word leads to forgiveness. The attaining of which is sweet, wondrous, and beautiful. 
And then on the contrary, draws us to Christ, draws us to the church, draws us to the fellow saints, so that together we pursue the glory and the honor of our God and desire to walk with Him. The psalmist prays that God will lead us in the way everlasting. That's the wondrous fruit of this prayer. God, by grace, will lead us in the way everlasting. We will be led to heaven. The way everlasting is the way to the heart of the eternal God. It's the way to everlasting joy and happiness in harmony with Jehovah. It's essentially Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. He causes us to be broken, humbled to the dust, confessing nothing of myself I bring. To the cross alone I cling. And he brings us to Christ and the wonder of our salvation in him alone. He brings us through blood and tears and sweat to know increasingly that union with Christ and that harmony with the Heavenly Father. The way of sin exposed, sin confessed, driving us into the arms of our everlasting Savior who loves us with a wondrous love, who gave Himself for us. This is what David longed for. Beloved, this is what we long for, to know more fully the sweet embrace of our Heavenly Father, to live in the joy and wonder of His love and His care now and to all eternity. In that is joy. In that is true pleasure. And that's the fruit of this prayer. By God's grace, you and I brought to trust in the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone. To see my own sin more fully. To know that I can't stand for a moment. To know my own weakness. And to look to Jesus Christ fully as my deliverer. The one alone in whom my righteousness is found. Beloved, by God's grace, this must be your and my prayer in this coming week. And by God's grace, He will work His answer in our hearts. And we will see the depths of our unworthiness. He will expose our selfishness and our sin. And He will bring us to see our need to come to His table next Sunday confessing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as my only hope, my only joy. Coming with joy and with thanksgiving, acknowledging His righteousness as mine. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, we come into Thy presence as the searcher of hearts. And we thank Thee for the convicting conscience that Thou dost work by Thy Spirit. We thank Thee for the penetrating work of Thy Spirit in our hearts. We thank Thee for the admonitions that Thou dost send us in Thy Word and from others and work in us that true humility, the wonder of our salvation and our hope as it's found in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, alone. Amen.